Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. I, I feel like we could use like an injection of energy into the room. Does anyone else feel like that? Like it's a holiday weekend. I don't know what holiday we celebrate anymore this weekend, but we got a day off tomorrow, many of us. And so we're here in the room. We have this weekend uh, and I feel like we need like an injection of energy. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand up and just meet someone around you? Say good morning. Look at how, how tired we are. Stand up, meet someone around you, say hello. Get to know their name. Say good morning. There you go. All right. It's good to be in the room together uh, this morning. And so uh, I'll tell you what happened yesterday to us. Yesterday, my son Jackson had a soccer game in Somerville. We live in Burlington, so we drove down into Somerville and, uh, and we had the soccer game, which was a great time. And then we said, well, it's still early. What if we tried to find breakfast around here? And so we did what you probably do. When you want to, you're in a place that you don't know that well and you want to find a place to eat, you, we went on Google and we Googled breakfast places near me and then we started looking at all of those stars next to every single restaurant's name. And I don't, know, I don't know how you evaluate this, but I love the rating system that we have this now. We didn't used to have this. It used to be if you didn't know of a breakfast place near you, you had to find a phone book somewhere or something like that to look up in the yellow pages some restaurants near you. And there was no rating system. There was no one to tell you if it was good or bad. Uh, some of you in the room are like, what are you talking about? Well, just trust me, this existed at one point. And so uh, you go and you look and you say, well, this place has 4.3 stars and a thousand people reviewed it, but this place has 4.2, but it was only 300. So is it accurate? I don't, does anyone else do this? I definitely do this. And you're looking at it, you're reading the reviews and you're trying to figure it all out. There really isn't much left in our world that doesn't have some sort of rating attached to it. And uh, churches do as well. Ratings attached to the church. Here's the challenge with the rating system, whether you're a restaurant or a hotel or whatever you are, uh, here's the challenge with the rating system. It is nearly impossible, isn't it, to meet everybody's expectations all the time. I don't know what you do in your work and in your business. You, if you're in business, you get rated. You get an evaluation once a year and you know this, you're trying your best. You're a student, you get rated all the time, right? Uh, and, and it's hard is to meet everybody's expectations all the time. A couple of weeks ago, I said to everyone, I mentioned that uh, this is our eighth year uh, here at Mount Hope in Belmont. We just passed our eighth anniversary. 
Uh, and it's amazing what God has done, which, by the way, uh, Dan, Dan brought this up in the prayer, but if you're wondering where Andrew uh, Barbarian, our campus leader, is today, he's leading the retreat for our young adults this weekend, and they're having a fantastic weekend away. If you're wondering where our, our guitar fixture, who's always here, Ting, is this morning, he has a pretty cool opportunity. Right now, Ting is leading worship at the Topsfield Fair. Uh, which is a pretty cool uh, opportunity, and it just makes me kind of laugh to have, you know, people are putting blue ribbons on pumpkins, and greased pigs are running around trying to be chased, and Ting's leading worship. That's how I picture that whole thing at the Topsfield Fair, uh, but that's a really cool opportunity that he's, he's doing this morning. So eight years, God has been at work, and I'll never forget when we were planning to plant this congregation. The Assemblies of God, of which we're a part, uh, requires that anyone who's planting a new congregation goes to an event called Launch. It's a week-long event. Planters from around There was a gentleman who... grown significantly over things out. And he sat with me at the table as we were doing some activities and some heads down work. And he said, tell me about the, the building that you have. Because I had said, you know, God graciously opened up this building for us in Belmont. And he said, tell me about the building. So I started telling him about this building and where it's located and the fact that you could look out of either sanctuary window and wave hello to the people in their kitchens and our next door neighbors and all the things uh, with this building. And he said, how big is your parking lot? And I said, well, here's the thing. Uh, we don't have a parking lot. Uh, you can park on the street on Sundays in front of the church. There's a, an MBTA lot down the street. There's, this is me both telling the story and informing you. You can park on either street, on either side of the building. And he said, it's not going to work. Literally those words, this is not going to work. And I said, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm putting a lot of energy into this. And I said, well, why, why don't you think it's going to work? He said, churches can never outgrow the number of parking spaces they have in their parking lot. It doesn't work. And I said, well, Fenway Park outgrows its parking situation like, like 82 times a year. And he said, it's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. And I, that conversation stuck with me. And one of the things that's, that's been interesting is perspective when it comes to ratings things. Because one of the things that happens often is I can tell if you're visiting our church for the suburb, from the suburbs or from the city based on your, converse, your, your comment to me on our parking situation. Because here's what happens. It's 100% true. If you visit our church and you are outside of 95 or you are like west or north of Belmont, uh, you will come to me and you will say, the parking situation, I don't understand it. Where am I supposed to park? This happens all the time. If you are toward the city of Boston, you're coming here from Cambridge, you're coming here from Brighton, you're coming here from all these places, people come up to me all the time and they say, what a fantastic location. There's so many places to park around here. <laughs> and so meeting people's expectations, being what I'm calling a five-star church here this morning, 
and all of these things, it's just really, really difficult. And we try to do it as pastors and leaders. We really do. Right? How do you keep the music the way that people like it? How do you keep the, the service times the way people like it? How do you keep the lighting situation the way people... All these things that you're trying to think about as you lead, right? And it's nearly impossible to meet everybody's expectations. I don't know, in fact, how you could become a five-star church, as this slide says I'm going to talk about today, uh, because... You know, we've tried really, really hard, and you can see we've failed spectacularly here to make a be a five-star church. Uh, very close, but we couldn't quite reach it. Thank you, Dan. I said if one person laughs at this, it's going to be Dan, because this to me is hilarious, but I knew you would laugh at it. So close. It really is hard to meet everybody's expectations. So here's my question for us this morning. What is it that we are really building when we talk about building a church that is highly rated? What is it that we're actually talking about? We had this Sunday, and it was we had just finished this sermon series on rest and Sabbath. And next week, I'm excited, we're going to begin our global outreach celebration. And next Sunday, our network's head of missions, Selwyn Bodley, is going to be here preaching. He preached when I was on sabbatical uh, a couple of years ago, and he's a fantastic communicator, and I know he did a fantastic job when he was here last time because I watched it online, even though I wasn't supposed to, uh, when I was on sabbatical. And I'm so excited that someone will be here next year preaching and teaching. So we had this Sunday in between those, and we had been, you know, a couple of months ago, Pastor Rick said, I would really like to take a Sunday and think through the health of our church. How are we doing? How healthy are we? And one of the things we had to think about, okay, if we're going to start rating our church, if we're going to try to figure that out, we've got to start thinking about what are the criteria and what are the, what are the ways that we are going to evaluate this. And it all reminds me of something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 when he was talking with his disciples. That if we're really going to ask this question today, and by the way, there is a very practical way that we're going to do this that I'll introduce to you as we go. But as, as we were thinking about this, there's this one moment with Jesus and his disciples that kept coming to mind. And it's in Matthew chapter 16, and it's verses 13 through 18. And as we think about this idea of rating different things in our world and whether or not a church is functioning well and what rating we would give to a church, I want us to keep this moment in mind. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Son of man, Jesus is referring to himself there. And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah just means son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail 
against it. If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this last part of this verse where Jesus says that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My question for us to think about today for the next couple of minutes is when Jesus says church, what's he talking about? It's a significant passage because he changes uh, Peter's name here, is Simon, Simon Peter, and he names him Petros in Greek, Peter in English, but that word Petros means rock in Greek, and so when he says your name is rock, and on this rock I will build, this, build my church, what is he talking about, my church? And I think if we're going to understand whether or not our church is healthy, We need to understand what Jesus means when he says church and the criteria that the New Testament uses to evaluate all of that. One of the things that I think is true is that what we mean by church and what Jesus meant by church are often two very different things. When we say we're going to church, or we're at church, or we're in church. What we mean and what Jesus meant here in Matthew chapter 16 are often two very different things. The word that, the English word that we have for church, it comes from, you know, way back when, this Greek word, kuriakon, which means the Lord's house, or kuriakos, which is belonging to the Lord. And so that's where our, our English word church finds its origin. And this word went through a number of different uh, places and, and different people groups took it in different ways. But that's where it comes from. And our, the direct tie to our English word church is actually from the German word that resulted from this Greek word. And I told Rebecca I was going to ask her because I could try to present, pronounce the German, but I, I'm not going to do it as, as good as you are. So the German word for church is? There you go. And that is the word. Say it one more time. There you go. That's just like when I pressed the little speaker on Google this morning. How do you pronounce this word? It sounded exactly like that. Uh, and so that's the word that's, that's most closely tied to our English word church. It means belonging to the Lord, the Lord's house. Now, here's the thing. You can find this word one time in the New Testament, but it's not in Matthew chapter 16. It's in, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians, and Paul's using it to talk about the Lord's Supper. Jesus uses a different word here in Matthew chapter 16. He uses the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia means something different. Ekklesia is a word that when they first translated the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, into Greek for the people to be able to read, it's called the Septuagint, they started using this word ekklesia to talk about the gathering of God's people. So the people of God gather at Mount Sinai, the people of God gather around Moses, the people of God gather to hear the reading of the law, all these different places in the Old Testament where the people of God get together, they're using this Greek word ekklesia to talk about the gathering of of people. 
And it's a word that in the time of Jesus they would use whenever the, the people would gather in Rome and Hellenistic culture, this would be the word. We're gathering together to make a law. We're gathering together to have a speech. We're, the, we're calling ourselves out of our daily lives to get together and do something different. And that's the word that Jesus uses here in Matthew chapter 16. And I think that that's significant. It shifts our thinking when we think about what we, what we mean when we say church, because many of us mean, and I, as a pastor, often mean when I talk about church, I mean a building that we have designated for worship services, and then the programs and ministries that that building operates to serve its people. But Jesus says something different. He uses a word that we don't necessarily have in, in English. He uses a word that talks about a group of people who are together on mission. You see, when you build just Curicon, you build programs and services to attract and keep people. 20% of the people usually end up doing 80% of the work. It's just like any other thing that gets built. It's powered by grit and determination, and it's easily shaken. Some of you have experienced this in church life. Church gets easily shaken. When uh, houses of the Lord are built on cult of personality and thousands and thousands of people follow a specific person, and the whole focus is on that person and their ability to communicate and the church's ability to provide goods and services that then the people take advantage of. If something happens to that leader, in a second, the whole thing falls apart. And unfortunately, we see that happen many times on the biggest stages and hundreds of times on stages that we don't see because they're smaller groups of people. But when it's built that way and when it's rated that way, it easily comes down because a program stops being offered, so people leave. Or, or the, the services get too long, or the services are too short, or the music's too loud, or the music's too soft, the music is too new, the music is too old. I don't know what the reason is, but it's easily disrupted. It's easily shaken. But what Jesus is talking about, I think, is something different. He's talking about a gathering of people who called Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And that moment in Peter's life is so significant where Jesus says, who do these people think I am? And they say, well, some think you're a prophet, some think you're Elijah. And he said, well, who do you think I am? And Peter has this declaration that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus affirms that declaration that Peter makes. And so when Jesus talks about my church, what he's talking about, he's talking about the called out people. The people who recognize that no matter what this world says about Jesus Christ, he is the Christ, the Son of God. When those people get together, that is ecclesia. And it doesn't matter if it happens in a field or if it happens in a building or if it happens... Um, in an office. No matter where it happens, around the world, no matter what day, no matter what time, Jesus is saying, when those people who confess, no matter what the world says about me, that I am the Christ, the Son of God, when those people show up together, that's my church. That's ecclesia. That's what I'm building. 
And every member of the body, in that case, uses their gifts to serve the whole. Takes what God has given you and puts it into practice to care for others. It's not fueled by our own grit and determination and how much effort and energy that we can put in to make it better and improve things that are going on and build a better website and improve our search results. It's fueled by the Holy Spirit doing his work among us. And Jesus says, this is what's never shaken. People try to shake it. Governments try to shake it. I mean, around the world... Pay attention to governments that try to eliminate the Christian church. And the people keep gathering. The ecclesia keeps happening. And it's not shaken. So my question this morning is, which one of these things are we together building? Which one of these things are we trying to build? Because i got to be honest with you, I need reminders too. It's so easy for me to get caught up in trying to prepare a sermon and thinking about what's happening in the building and trying to make things look nice and trying to, to make the programs better and trying to offer new programs and trying to think about how we're going to do all of those things that I too lose sight of the ecclesia. I think we all do. There's tension in all of this, isn't there? There's tension. There's tension because we have to figure out ways. We have to figure out ways to make things relevant for today while we're dealing with ancient things. We have to figure out ways for you to be able to come into this place and rest and receive even as you come in this place and serve and give. There's always tension in between here. But all I'm trying to say is that today if you log into a website and you put in your password... And it says to you, click all the things that are churches. You need more information to answer this question. You need to know, do you mean Curiacon or do you mean Ecclesia? Because if you mean Curiacon, there's three here that I can click. If you mean Ecclesia, I don't, I don't know if I see it here. Maybe the baby, but it doesn't look too happy, Right? And so often what we think of when we think of church is very different than what Jesus meant. Not that we don't do it. I just had somebody say to me this morning, I know of a family in our church that's been struggling and someone said to me this morning, oh, you know what? We had so-and-so over to our house and it was just a fantastic gathering. That's Ecclesia. That's what Jesus is talking about. And not only is the, what Jesus means by church different than what we mean by church, but so often the rating system that we use to evaluate church is different from the way God evaluates his church. We tend to evaluate churches by whether or not we like them or not. Did we like it or did we not like it? And there's some legitimacy there. I understand that. But when I look in the New Testament... The Apostle Paul and Jesus himself look at other things when they talk about whether or not the church is being the church. The Apostle Paul, if you know his history, he planted many churches. And then most of our New Testament is Paul writing to those churches. 
But when he evaluates whether or not those churches are, are functioning well, if, when he evaluates whether or not those churches are doing what they're supposed to be doing, he doesn't use the system that I think many times we use. He doesn't use the system that many times that I use. If I want to think about whether or not Mount Hope Belmont is doing well, my brain goes two places, people and budget. How many people are attending? Are we meeting our budget? We must be doing well. I'm just being honest. But I don't see that in the New Testament. I never see Paul write a letter to a church and say, hey, folks in Thessalonica, I noticed you came in 10 grand in the red last year. Hey, Corinthians, everyone in Corinth, um, last year 200 people were coming to your churches. This year 175 people are coming to your churches. I'm wondering what you can do to get on Instagram and make your church look a little bit better. Like, I, I never see any of that in the New Testament. I see different things. To the church in Thessalonica, Paul said, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the, temper had temp the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul is saying, I was worried about you. I was worried that maybe the enemy had come and you had fallen away from the faith that you had. And so he says in these verses, I sent Timothy to see you. And Timothy came back and said, your faith is healthy and strong. And I rejoice in that. The Corinthians, he writes to me, he says, it's been reported to me by Chloe's people. You know Chloe's people? I don't know who Chloe's people are. But it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And he says, this can't be. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And Paul goes on to say, Christ is not divided. We all follow Christ. Let's get this right. Let's be healthy. We all follow Christ. Right? I planted Apollo's water, but Christ made it grow. And he says also to the Corinthians, from the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And it's just interesting to me how Paul evaluates the churches based on how I often evaluate church, how we often evaluate church. The question is not so much how are we doing with our programs and our ministries and our efforts, but are we healthy spiritually? And that's the question for us today. Are we healthy spiritually? And you might say, why are we talking about this? In fact, I can see it on some of your faces. What are we talking about here, Pastor? Why are we talking about this? We really felt like it was important to pause with this week that we had and to just ask ourselves whether or not we're healthy spiritually as a church. And to ask ourselves coming into the end of this year and into next year, what kinds of things do we need to be doing? Not to grow things bigger, not to make things flashier, not to put on a better show. But what kinds of things do we need to be doing as the body of Christ to be healthy spiritually together? A healthy church isn't big, necessarily. Necessarily. 
A healthy church isn't small, necessarily. You can have 20 people gathered together in a room, and it can be quite unhealthy. Some of you have experienced that in church. It can be a very unhealthy gathering of believers. You can have 20,000 people gathering together on a Sunday morning. It can be a very unhealthy spiritual gathering. But you can also have 20,000 people gathering together, and it's an incredible ecclesia happening. And you can have 15 people gathering together on a college campus in Boston. And it is an incredible ecclesia. And I don't think heaven looks down and says, well, the 20,000 people are killing it, and these 15 people are really struggling. I think heaven looks down at both and rejoices. That's the church. So the question is, if a healthy church is believers on mission, how are we doing? Is that us at Mount Hope? Are we believers on mission? And there's probably places where we are and probably places where we need to grow in that. But we wanted to take some time today and hit the pause button and just think about it. We need to get this right. Because our healthy nature as a body of believers on mission has massive implications to how we show Jesus Christ to the world around us. It matters how we represent Jesus Christ to the world around us. And when they come into the gathering of believers, what do they find? Do they find another organization that's trying to operate at peak capacity to provide goods and services to the consumers that are in it? Or do they find what their soul really needs? Believers on mission, a group of people who call out and say, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who are fueled by the Holy Spirit, gathering together and experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ in their midst. That's what our churches need. That's what our world needs. That's what we need to represent. I know so many young people from doing youth ministry for many years and just being in a youth ministry myself, so many people that come out of church and they end up rejecting the whole thing. And part of the challenge with the rejection of the whole thing is that the person of Jesus Christ and the church that he's building gets all mixed up and intertwined with our sinful, broken efforts to do church and who Jesus Christ is and who he calls us to be, they all got wrapped up together and you wanted to be done with this idea of church, which might be okay, but what happened is, is you thought you also had to reject Jesus too. And that's a really sad reality that happens. And if we could get this right, it's not just about representation to the people who are not already in the building. It's representation to the people who are in the building as to who Jesus is and who he calls us to be as the body of believers. 
I'm going to invite our worship team back as we prepare to close this morning because here's what we're going to do. We're ending this conversation a little bit early. We're ending our service a little bit earlier than we normally do. However, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Throughout the, the month of October, um, we've worked with an organization to help put together a survey to help us understand how we're doing. This is like Paul sending Timothy to Thessalonica. We're asking you to help us understand how we're doing in being spiritually healthy as a church. And so what we're going to do is in just a moment, we're going to close this service uh, with a song. And then our kids ministry is going to continue. And there's this survey that takes about 15 minutes to complete. If you call Mount Hope home, this is church for you then I'm going to invite you, if you can today, to stay for another 15 minutes. We'll put on some music. I have paper copies of this survey, if you would prefer. Or we can do the digital version on your phone. It's very mobile-friendly. And we can participate in this together. And then we'll have our normal fellowship time. But if you need to go, or if you're visiting this morning and you're saying to yourself, it's kind of a weird Sunday. It's kind of a weird Sunday for us, too. That's all right and you need to go, then you are, after we sing this song, you're more than free to go into our fellowship hall, grab a cup of coffee, start some good conversation. Or if you need to go, you're, you're more than welcome to, to head out. It's a little bit different for us to ask you to do a, a survey at the end of a service. In fact, I don't know that I've ever asked for this before. And yet the question we're trying to answer is so vitally important for us as a church community. Are we being the ecclesia? Are we being the called out community? Are we believers on mission together at Mount Hope? And where the answer is yes, we want to celebrate that. And where the answer is no, we want to prayerfully work together as the body of Christ to move in the right direction. Would you pray with me? And then we'll sing together. God, I thank you for this body of believers that we get to call our own. And Father, I thank you for the gathering even this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the ways that you are at work among us. God, I pray for those in our midst this morning who are hurting, who are tired and lonely worried and scared. God, for those of us who are coming in this morning and we're just feeling the weight of work and family and the busyness of our schedules today, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move among us, that as we are the body of believers that you call us to be, that we would be empowered by your Spirit to meet one another's needs to show each other the love you call us to show and to represent you well to those in the room and those outside the room. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us and let's close out our time together in song.